the network people, the TV people, decided, and they all have the option to flex these games now. At the end of Sunday's game, they decided, well, we have two games to put in Saturday. We have to fill the fill the void for Saturday. Who are we going to put in there? Well, let's put the Chiefs and the Broncos, because the Chiefs are always a great draw. We'll mm-hmm. put them in as the first game. And the second game, we'll put in Dallas and Philadelphia, since that does have both those teams are headed for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This will be a very attractive Saturday doubleheader. So following the game with the Steelers and the Browns, I guess it was last Sunday night, the networks decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. Went to the NFL. NFL, of course, has to capitulate. <laughs> and uh, which is exactly what they do. And the Chiefs were notified that their game is 24 hours ahead of time because it was to have been at 3.30 tomorrow. It's now 3.30 today. And, and it, this, is, this is interesting to me because it, it throws your plans, all your training and so forth. Normally, the Chiefs would be on the practice field Wednesday. Now they had to go on Tuesday. But it's also part of the game. You're getting money for it. So that's the way it shapes up. Well, all right. That's clear as mud. Basically, it all comes down <laughs> to money, to right? Tell me, you're doesn't you're, everything uh, debating my abilities? No, to no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, no. I can, I, I completely trust you. It's just uh, you know, TV networks and the NFL and stuff like that. that yeah, just, what a major surprise! Just kind of, kind of, kind of boggles the mind after a while. So I'm, I'm Joe Weston. That's Deb Riddles. John Oliver is with us today. How are you, John? I'm doing well. Okay. John, is, John is Mr. Right today. John is completely, he was completely <laughs> right. He picked the game right last week. And I guess that's where we're going to start unpacking things at besides this game being on Saturday rather mm-hmm. than Sunday. Is let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs and the Bengals. I don't think there's, oh, the Chiefs and Bengals. Was, yep. I was going to say, I don't think there's any way the Chiefs lose today. Chiefs-Bengals game was one that I think Kansas City let get away. There was also some some help if you're... Uh, critical of the officiating because there were things of which to be critical in that ball game. Did it cost them? Well, you can look at it several ways. What really cost them was their defensive backfield. They didn't play well at all. Joe Burrow had a huge day. <laughs> Jamar Chase was utterly incredible. Yes. 11 catches. That Therein lies the problem right, right. there, the D-backs. But Cincinnati's also a pretty good team. They're flying under the radar, gang. They may, they may not make it this year. They'll make the playoffs this year, but they may not make it into championship contention. But by the same token, watch out, because this is a ball club that's coming on. Yeah, I can't agree more, Ned. And, you know, I hate to be right from last week, but that's just (laughs) the gut feeling I had from watching Cincinnati this year. You know, Joe, you had brought up that they'd lost some pretty bad teams, and I really think they play up to the challenge right now. They're young. They want to be world beaters. I mentioned Jamar Chase last week. He had an historic day. Just amazing speed, made a couple of catches that he had no business getting the yards after catch after. Joe Burrow's a phenomenal quarterback. He's going to be in this league a long time. He's going to probably break a lot of records. Chase is only a few yards away during this week of breaking the all-time rookie yardage record. So, I mean, you think back, Rice didn't do it. Moss didn't do it. I mean, this kid's pretty talented. And then don't forget about Joe Mixon. I mean, he only had about 50 yards last week, but he's such a weapon that the Chiefs have to divert attention to. That opens up that receiving core and gives, you know, Burrow time to see if they can find them. I was talking to Mike, the intern, uh, and he said that on Sunday that he and his wife were kind of like, you know what, let's, let's halftime, let's go out. You know, the Chiefs got this one. And then, <laughs> oh, no. then he thought, maybe I should just stick around and watch the end of this. And the Chiefs pretty much just ran up and down the field the first half of that game. They did. I I felt like 
and this goes back to Steve Spagnola, who, you know, right or wrong, he a lot of criticism lands on his plate. Mm-hmm. I felt like they did not adjust at all in the second half to these big plays. They didn't, you know, they're, it's kind of like, hey, we're going to do this, period. Mm-hmm. And it, even if it's wrong, we're going to do this. And I felt that mm-hmm. kind of the way that way with the Chiefs on Sunday that they didn't make any adjustments. Either they did, either it was a lack of adjusting or it was Cincinnati that made the adjustments. Now, keep in yeah. mind that Burrow, while he is a little bit older than Jamar Chase, the two of them played together yes. at LSU and <laughs> yeah. they were a great combination down there. So they could fall back on that that uh, oh intelligence, that high IQ mm-hmm. level of football, having the experience of uh, teaming up in college and bringing it into the NFL. Okay, that part of it, what puzzled me was the Chiefs getting away from their game plan. They didn't play, their offense was uh, stagnant compared to what it had in the first half, and maybe that was a defensive change on the part of the Bengals. That I do not know, but they, I do know, and so did everybody else. It was 28-14 to at one time in the ballgame at halftime. And the Chiefs won't score how many? Three more points after that? Three more points. Now, that's, that can't happen, not with this offense. So something, I don't understand what the drawback would have been, but therein lies part of the problem. Well, let me ask you guys this question. I know my answer, but let's hear yours. Any cause for concern? Well, anytime you lose, there's a cause for concern, yes. Uh, in the playoffs, there's no cause for concern today. There isn't any way that the Chiefs lose to Denver. But in terms of the playoffs, yeah, I think there is. They've got to watch their step because you're ramping up your level of competition in a do-or-die situation because there is no recourse here. You don't lose and come back the next week in the playoffs. You're out of there. Exactly. I mean, I equate it to a heavyweight boxing fight. You know, anyone that's watched that. So the Chiefs were on a nice run. But in heavyweight boxing, we've seen so many amazing boxers get upended after a nice streak of wins. They get hit in the jaw, they're not used to that, and they don't respond well. And I think that's exactly what happened with the Chiefs last week. They had the game in hand, they kept getting hit, hit, hit. And that's what sends them into that panic mode that we saw earlier in the season with Patrick Mahomes making poor decisions, the team just not firing on all cylinders. So do I think it's a concern? I don't, because I am one of those people that believes you learn from your losses. So I think the Chiefs will watch a lot of tape on this game. They'll go back to a lot of the plays, and they'll try to course correct moving forward. I go back to something you said earlier in the season, Ned, when the Chiefs were winning, but they didn't look good winning, and especially offensively. And you said you thought the Chiefs came out, punched the other team in the face, and then sat back and saw how they reacted. Do you think that that's the case in this last game? They punched Cincinnati in the face in the first half and then... (laughs) Just kind of set back in the second half. Well, in all honesty, Joe, I think that's their game plan every time out. Right. Hey, show this team how good you are. Go down there, hit them upside of the face a couple of times, see if they can respond. And if not, then we'll just take our foot off the pedal subconsciously and uh, perhaps not be as aggressive as we could. Did it happen in this game? Possibly. It was 28-14 halftime, mm-hmm. and here's Kansas City coasting away. But they didn't really have, in my opinion, any reason to do that, to take their foot off the pedal. Because this team could score and will be able to score. You've got to be able to keep up with these ball clubs. Kansas City's defense did show some improvement Mm -hmm. in the latter part of the season. There is no arguing that point. My argument, my criticism of that is that 
take a look at their schedule, and they were playing a much uh, it's pro football. Anybody can yep. win, but these <laughs> the level of strength of these teams was ramped down quite a bit as opposed to the more powerful teams they were playing in the early going. Well, John, what do you think? I, I was impressed with the Bengals. I said last week, roll back the tape, eat my own words, and do that about every week. <laughs> they are delicious, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, that the I said the Bengals were overrated. I was very impressed with the way that they played the game, mm-hmm. but I still didn't feel they were the better team on the field. Absolutely not. And I think a lot of that goes back into what Ned just mentioned. The, ch- the Chiefs in the games they've won over the last few years with this quote-unquote dynasty since Mahomes has kind of come into his own. When you look back at the playoff scores, these aren't 47-3 to games. They're usually 34-31, to 37-28. They're close games. That defense, yes, it's improved absolutely by leaps and bounds, but they still give up points. Their game is to outscore their opponent, which is everybody's game, but they do it with a high-powered offense. Sometimes if the defense isn't clicking well enough, what happened last week happens. It's a complete collapse. Everybody goes into panic mode, and that's their Achilles heel. So, I mean, they have really got to slam opponents, and they try to do that. Let's talk about this for a minute because I, I, you've said it twice, and I didn't get, I didn't get that vibe from the Chiefs at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a sense of urgency from them at all during the second half of that football game. So I didn't view the game as panic mode, and I certainly didn't view it as a collapse. I just felt like they kind of had this, oh, we're going to, you know, it's okay. We'll win this game. It's Mm -hmm. no big deal kind of attitude in the second half. It's absolutely kind of a layback on their part, but at the same time, you know, even though the panic's not evident, that's where you start seeing all these penalties called. The refs key in on that, and that's where the penalties start stacking up when you're trying to force things that you wouldn't otherwise force. We played a little game last week called Conspiracy Theory, and our our good buddy Josh (laughs) Roberts, who's not with us today, has this theory that the NFL controls games through penalties. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've always noticed about, again, I'll bring up Mike the intern, is whenever they the Chiefs have a loss, one of the first things he says, well, the officials, yeah. the officials. <laughs> but I felt like, and Antonio Romo even made a comment a couple of times about some phantom calls that were made out there in the field. Your thoughts, Ned? Well, I'm going to debate the conspiracy. I can't imagine that that is dictated by any higher authority in pro sports. Yes, the officials' calls can. I, I would. Are they phantom calls? Maybe to us they are, but to the officials on the field, I really have full confidence that every one of them is capable and calls what he or she sees. Mm-hmm. Now, do they actually see it? There's a, there's a reason that you could debate that and say, well, we'll just take a look at a replay here on on plays that you can go to the instant replay. But in, again, in terms of controlling a game, no, I, I just do not buy that theory. I can't imagine that can go on with today's media uh, as focused as they are on covering these and as intense as they are. I can't I just don't I don't want to believe that. And I don't think it does happen. But in terms of controlling a game, not not from a physical standpoint, no, but yeah, from an intangible, yes. Well, I'll ask both of you guys this question, and you know, conspiracy theory aside, let's just put that <laughs> let's just put that all on the shelf because sure. that's not really what I'm talking about. But the Chiefs seem to have trouble against officiating crews that are particularly honed in 
on pass interference calls. Absolutely. And you saw that in the Super Bowl. And you saw that yesterday, too, or not, sorry, last week, too, that there were a lot of penalties called. And, and, and you know, I'm not going to be a homer here, but there were there were two or three that were ticky tack mm-hmm. fouls that I felt. And even Tony Romo and uh, Jim Nance, who did the game, they they just <laughs> they loved the Bengals. I mean, it made it very <laughs> obvious for 60 minutes who their favorite team was in that game. Mm-hmm. But a couple of times they stopped and commented, I, you know, I don't really see a foul in that play at all. Mm-hmm. So your thoughts on again, that? Again, in retrospect, sure, you can say that. And, and the commentators, keep in mind, Joe, they're paid to be doing that, to be making comments like that. Do they actually feel like that's happening? Probably not. But, yeah, when your paycheck involves your personal opinion on something, then you are going to hear comments of that nature. There were, yes, questionable calls, but we're looking at it from a different angle altogether. We're looking at it as fans. And who are the ones who complain about the officiating? I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody, but it's the losing team. Yes. Always the losers. You can always find something and some reason. Again, I'm going to go back to what I say. The games are honestly officiated. I don't think there's anybody controlling anything at all. But there is a difference in philosophies with different crews. And after all, they're human beings. And they are making judgments that may be different from somebody else. Well, Joe Burrow said after the game that he felt the Bengals got the benefit of a few calls. Absolutely, they did. And this goes back to what I mentioned during the conspiracy conversation last week. I don't think officials are paid or told for certain outcomes. I think what happens is they are human. And from a psychological standpoint, humans get caught up in excitement, whether they try to or not. And in this game, you had Burrow going off at a certain point and Jamar Chase. Those referees realize that could be an absolutely historical game. And they get caught up on that sometimes. So some of those pass interference calls against, you know, the Chiefs on Chase, some of the calls against the Chiefs on Burrow, those calls can be slanted by just getting caught up in the moment. And I think that's what happens more often than anything else. I'm going to offer one more comment, too, and I've said this for the last several years. Football, not just the NFL, but football all the way through from high school, college, NFL, needs to make a universal rule on what is pass interference. (laughs) Right now it's subjective. You have uh, an umpire or a a defensive, uh, I guess, line judge or whatever who has a different interpretation of what it should be. There needs to be one universal one. Either that or do away with the penalty altogether. Do yes. away with it. Let guys grab each other and, and so forth and so on. You're not going to have any penalties. You're also not going to have a whole hell of a lot of scoring either. But by the same token, the way they have it now, there's too much too much at stake. And especially the NFL where it's a spot foul. It is yes. not in college. It's a 15-yard penalty. Yes. I, well, that's what one point that I wanted to bring up, too, is that it is a spot foul, and you'll see teams throw up the ball knowing that probably not a hope in hell. If they just want to get it in the neighborhood so that hopefully they can get a penalty at that moment mm-hmm. and move the ball down the field 30 yards. So I'd like to see that taken away. And I'd also agree with you. I don't think you can define it down to the letter of the law because it is a, a subjective thing. What kept what kept that person from catching the football? I mean... A lot of times you you know you're seeing a lot of defenders nowadays with that hook mm-hmm. on the back side that they as they go by they pull the guy so he kind of turns away from the ball and I know that's that's something they watch. I think where I'm 
where I agree with you guys but disagree with you is I think that there's some games that the NFL probably has mandated before the game starts. This is something I want you to focus on in this game today. Comes down from from the NFL and says, hey, uh, you know, take a look at this guy. We've watched him during this week or whatever, and we would like you to take a look at it and – you know, you can't. We can't speak to what the, how those decisions are made because we don't know. Because yeah. behind the doors of the NFL is very secretive, and I, so I would suspect, Joe, that if there is some consistent agreement from coaches around the league, and they do listen, the NFL listens to the coaches. That thus is such and so and so. Hey, at number thirty-eight on the Packers, for instance, he's doing this all the time. And if the a flood of complaints come in. Well, yeah, maybe that might happen, but not in terms of you're going to call the game this way or that way. You're going to look closely. No, I cannot think that that is the case. I, I think the only reason that I wanted to talk about that a little bit, again, I don't mm-hmm. subscribe to the conspiracy theory of all of it, but I do think that there were probably three calls that could have affected the outcome of that game, mm-hmm. and they were more or less phantom calls. I agree with you, Joe, and here's the thing. I don't think people equate pass interference to what it is in other sports. In baseball, the strike zone can change a game completely. It's a subjective call. Yeah. In the NBA, personal fouls are completely subjective. In the NFL, this is their, you know, weird phantom zone where it's not consistent on pass interference. And it's it's really totally subjective. So. Well, it's, it's, I think the big thing, too, is it's not consistent how crew to crew how they call it. I mean, there's some crews that are very, very tight, mm-hmm. and there are other crews that are let them play. Yep, let them play. And you see, you you know, you get penalties like we did in the playoffs a couple of years ago, where you didn't see a penalty called <laughs> and totally should have been called. And right. then you see, you know, things where well, he touched his shoulder pad while he was diving for a ball <laughs> that he didn't have a chance at in hell. That's precisely yep. why I say it needs to be a universal yes. call that is that is right there, concrete. A tangible piece of evidence right there that it's not just the hooking. That's part of defense. Come on, people. That's that's a, a great defensive move. My God, if your defensive back can keep up with some receiver who runs a 9-7-100, <laughs> more power to him. Why penalize him? Come right. on. this is it, it is not right. They've got I to agree. change it. Yeah, well, the Bengals played a very good second half of football. Their offense was nearly unstoppable. I think they scored every time that they had the ball. And then uh, defensively, the you know, the Chiefs looked out of sync in the second half. And whether that's the Bengals doing what they needed to do or whether it was the Chiefs taking their foot off the gas, you know, who's to say it's probably a combination of both. My answer to the question that I asked about 10 minutes ago was, uh, you know, I don't think that there's anything to be concerned about. I think, no. the, I think while the Chiefs wanted to win that game and should have won that game, and there's so many reasons for them to have won that game, I didn't sense any urgency from them. That could yeah. be. That could be. They may, after all, keep in mind now, this team is playing 17 games in a, in a season. <laughs> That's an all-time record number, and it's going to continue that way. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to pace themselves, but then again, Joe, nobody else does either. Right. Well, it's all in a new field. One of the things that we talked about last week or that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks is the depth that the Chiefs had, and that got put to the test, I mean, immediately because uh, Orlando Brown Jr. went out of the game. Before the game even started, he had a calf injury. And then they lost Lucas Niang very early in the game. So maybe there was a sense with the Chiefs, let's let's try to get out of here healthy. Because early in that game, it was, it was very physical. Mm-hmm. That game was very physical. So 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see, see how they we'll play see. against the uh, Denver Broncos today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about the Chiefs and the Broncos when we come back. We're about 40 minutes away from the start of the pregame show right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 35 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show, Mitch Holtis, Art Haynes, Dan Israel, and the crew who will be in Denver. For them, I, you know, sorry, they're in Denver. It's going to be cold and then probably <laughs> snowy. And, no, uh, I don't think the snow's due in there till later tonight. I oh, think okay. it's probably going to be fairly dry. Okay. Well, anyway. I sound like a weatherman. Our weatherman, Ed Reynolds, <laughs> tells us that there will be not be snow. Let's talk about this game today. Broncos obviously do not have anything to play for. They're the only team in the AFC West who does not have anything to play for today. There's a thing called pride. But we also know how that works, too, <laughs> that sometimes guys are a little checked out at this part of the season, and there's probably a lot of people sitting around going, you know what, I just want to get out of this game healthy so I can pick up my paycheck for next year. What do you think, Ned? Any well, any any chance, any fear here? No. We have, uh, we've talked about this all season long. It is the NFL, and these are highly paid professional athletes. Anything can happen. But not, not in today's case. I can't imagine any scenario in which the Chiefs lose this game or that the game is even close. They're, they, being the Denver Broncos, are playing with Drew Locke as their quarterback. And Locke at Mizzou was a, a fine player, but he struggled and has the, the Denver team on offense. Their defense is not too bad. Mm-hmm. But offensively, even though they have Melvin Gordon and some of these other people back there, and, and a tight end by the name of Fant, who is very good, Yes, but they're still, they're not in the ballpark with the Chiefs, and I'm really, I wonder how many other teams are. I've mm-hmm. said it all along, I feel like Kansas City's the best team in the NFL. Doesn't mean they're going to win every time out, but man for man and depth for depth, I think they have the uh, the best team. Nonetheless, I think Kansas City wins this one rather comfortably today. Mm-hmm. I never want to bet on a sure thing, but this is about as close to a sure thing as I think I can remember in recent memory. You know, some teams like the Jets and Lions, they've been playing a lot better. They're young. Coaches are getting through to them. Denver is in a state of transition. And if that's, you know, news to anyone, I don't think you've been paying attention. Bridgewater's out. They're looking for the QB of the future. I don't think they think it's Drew Locke. And then, you know, Von Miller left this team. Patrick Sertain's been injured. It's been an up and down year. There was a point where they looked like they would be a good, solid playoff team around midseason. And it's just fallen apart. Yeah, we had uh, a good friend Kevin on a little bit earlier, and he was talking about how they played kind of up and down all year long. And he also mentioned, too, that they probably have their sights set on the next quarterback and somebody that's, I think, probably everybody in Denver would like to see there is Russell Wilson. Absolutely. Or possibly even our good friend over in Green Bay might actually might be a good place for him to land if he's looking to get out of his contract or he's done with his contract and just go somewhere else. Well, you might remember that when the controversy ensued during this past summer, they, they being the Broncos, were one of the teams that was mentioning or was mentioned in all the reports about the possibility that Rodgers might be mm-hmm. holding some level of negotiations with them 
Uh, didn't turn out to be the case. But then again, Rodgers has now been given permission to seek his own team at the end of this season, whenever that might be. And it probably not going to be till after the Super Bowl because they're pretty good. Green Bay's the number one team in the NFC. But over and above that, yeah, Denver could be a, a good place for him. Although, do you, do you want to put that much credibility in a quarterback who will be 38 years old next year? And who is accustomed to winning and probably isn't going to right away. There, there, there's so many mental factors to figure into that. Well, and on top of that, I mean, when you look at the coaching situation in Denver, that's anything but stable. I would classify them as having a lame duck coach at this point. And I think that regime is going to be turned over. So it's going to be, it's going to be a rebuilding year for the Broncos next year, at least for that entire season. Let me ask both of you this. The Chiefs are playing for the number one seed. The chance that they get the number one seed is not great, but we've seen weird things happen. I mean, what, two or three years ago when New England lost to (laughs) the Jets or somebody on the last day of the season and just an impossible loss and gave the Chiefs the number one seed, we could see it. But the Titans are playing a a rather poor Texans team tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So do you see the Chiefs, like, doing their philosophy, Ned, where they come out and they're going to slap the Broncos around for a couple of series, and then they're going to lay back? Absolutely. I think that's exactly what they'll do. It's the the formulary, to use the term that they have used all season long, and I fully expect they're not going to go away from that today. Mm -hmm. They'll hit Denver hard right at the very beginning. I think instead of a two-touchdown lead, they'll take a three-touchdown lead. But th- come on, Denver is just not in the ballpark. Yes, it's a pro football team and good athletes and all that sort of thing, but they don't have the skill-level people that the Chiefs do. John, what are your thoughts? I think you see Chad Henney in this game. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how much I think they're going to let off. You're going to see a lot of the starters taken out. It's an interesting playoff picture. But the, the Titans and the Chiefs are the number one and two seeds. There's a possibility that they could flip positions there's a possibility the chiefs could 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 they slide to the third spot could slide to the fourth spot really mm-hmm. the bills are uh, are playing a not very good jets team they've showed some signs recently four and 12 mm-hmm. the patriots don't look as good as they looked a couple of weeks ago and they're in the last playoff spot and they can slide out of the picture here now the teams that are still in the hunt Okay, the Colts, which uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that uh, Sexy Rex Ryan said that they were perhaps the most dangerous team to watch in the AFC or possibly the NFL because they have such a great running game. And the Chargers, who have been a mystery team, they've they've been up and down all year long. They're still in the hunt. Only only if they win. Yeah, Yeah. only if they win. And then here's... (laughs) Really funny thing, as bad a season, I mean, off the field, as horrible a season as the Raiders have had off the field, they still have a mathematical chance. They do. Of getting in. And the Steelers, who have not had a very good season, have a mathematical chance of getting in. And the Ravens, who've been probably the most disappointing team in the NFL this season. Can you think of another? Joe, in in the Raiders' case, it's better than just a fleeting yeah. chance. If they win their game over the Chargers they're tomorrow in. night, they, they're all but in. They do have to have one, I think, two breaks that are probably going to happen because mm-hmm. I think they're foregone. But the fact of the matter remains that the Raiders could very well, even as dreadful as they played the Chiefs in two games, they could be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Would that surprise you at all? 
considering that tomorrow night's game, which is the feature game, it's the Sunday night game, Chargers-Raiders, mm-hmm. uh, considering that it's in Las Vegas and considering how inconsistent the Chargers have been, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Do you think that'll win? I, I can't think of his name right now. The guy that's been took over for Gruden, that he, he keeps that job if I he wins a game? I doubt it very much. Yeah. I doubt it. I think they're in the market for somebody who, this, this guy's an interim coach. Has he done a good job? Well, he's calmed calmed the seas, so to speak, in a very turbulent season that's been for the Raiders. Actually, they have a pretty good football team. They do. They have been reduced with Ruggs getting his ridiculous... Uh, we don't yeah. need to get into that, but with Ruggs getting the out for the forever, and uh, with the, the linebacker creating his foolishness on the, uh, on the internet, whatever, and with Gruden getting dismissed, you can't help but have a psychological deficit when something like that happens. Can you think of a team that's been more disappointing this season than the Ravens, John? Oh, not at all. I mean, and it's obvious the writing's on the wall just due to the fact that Lamar Jackson has missed a lot of time time this year. As the Ravens go, so does Lamar Jackson and vice versa. So if he's out of the game, they're just a totally different offense. It does not work. He is the running game and the passing game for that team. He is uh, not playing today. Exactly. And uh, I I think probably what's shocked me the most about the Ravens this season is that their defense has looked just not very good. Right. And I think that that team could win with the quarterback that they've been using, and his name escapes me. Huntley. Tyler Huntley. And he will play today. He's played. He's not that bad. He's He's a pretty good good little little quarterback, and I Mm -hmm. think the other teams would be like to get their hands on him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the defense has been the really shocking part, especially in a John Harbaugh coached team. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been interesting to me. Let's turn our attention to the NFC for just a second. The Packers have the number one spot, and that is sewn up for them. They don't have anything really, well, yeah, they could still lose that number one spot, couldn't they, to the Rams? Mm-hmm. So that's that's going on. The Buccaneers are in the third spot. The Cowboys or in the fourth spot, Arizona, as bad as they played, still in the fifth <laughs> spot. And the Eagles, really? Seriously, the Eagles? Nine they're and seven. Yeah, they're in. They yeah. have had a four-game winning streak. They played the mm-hmm. Cowboys tonight. The Cowboys are really compromised from injuries and COVID. Uh, Philadelphia will go in as a very slight favorite in this ballgame tonight. If you're looking for batteries in the city of Philadelphia, they're out right now. By the way, I just thought I'd pass that along to you. And it looks like really there's only one team in the hunt, and that's the 49ers. The Saints are on the bubble. But it's a real interesting playoff picture that a lot's going to be decided over the next couple of days. And as far as the Chiefs go, uh, you know, they just want to attack this one down, keep everybody healthy, and then move on into the first round of the playoffs, actually the bye round of the playoffs. So we'll talk. uh, We've been playing games to fill out our third segment. We're going to do the netties. We're going to give away Ned Reynolds awards for things this year. And we're going to start out with our dumbest player in all of sports. That's next (laughs) right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 
20 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. Let's do the netties, ladies and gentlemen. It's the end of the year, so we get to hand out some awards. If you're sitting at home wondering what you would win as a netty recipient, you get a tin of muffins, six muffins, but the sixth one is gone because Ned's cat ate it. (laughs) (laughs) And that cat paid the price for it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was worth it to him. It was. All right, he's, let's, he's, let's. He's reminded me of that constantly. <laughs> let's talk about the. I don't know why this comes to mind this week. I don't know why, for some reason, I have in my mind dumbest athlete in all of oh, sports. I can't just imagine. just don't know why. I, oh wait, Antonio Brown. He's our first nominee. Well, he would be the the obvious choice, but I'm going to let John talk more about him. I'm going to let you. I'm going to give John that opportunity. Yeah, John stuck. John has been an adamant. Antonio Brown hater. Yes. And then this week, or a couple of weeks ago, he said some really nice things about Antonio Brown. And now John's eating his delicious words. Well, (laughs) I'm not eating the words on the penalties being different for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and for Aaron Rodgers. What I am eating my words in, I said last week, you know, I finally got to say something good about Antonio Brown. And then welcome to the sideshow with him. I don't even know where to start on this. So he rips off his jersey. He's asked to go in the game. He celebrates for the Jets fans, runs off the field. And then apparently he had this planned out from what I'm hearing now. There is a uh, TikTok star who is, became famous from licking toilets that apparently <laughs> hooked up with Antonio Brown the night before he broke curfew. So she has since posted Tampa Bay, get your COVID tests in. And he said, you're never going to believe what I'm going to do tomorrow, babe. Really? And so if that's the case, what what needs to happen in all seriousness? And I am a huge person for mental health awareness. Somebody needs to get him the help he needs. It's not funny anymore. I don't care if the media likes having it as their plaything. Someone needs to help this man. Absolutely 100% agreed. And, I, and I, I will debate the fact that you call him the dumb athlete. I don't think he is. He's not dumb. I think he needs help. Yes. He needs help badly. And when Tom Brady comes in, Tom Brady's the one who campaigned for him to be on the Buccaneers. Now he's now he Brown is even criticizing mm. Brady. All right, now you've got mental problems. I have two who I'm going to nominate. One is Odell Beckham Jr. Oh my goodness! I think this guy doesn't need help. He needs a kick in the behind is what he needs, uh, and uh, learn some discipline and respect for what he is doing. He's mm. disrespecting his profession with uh, some of the antics he's done. I need more money, and I'm not going to play. And they're not throwing me the ball enough, and so forth. That's come on. That is just childish stuff. That's one. My other one, guys, is Novak Djokovic. Oh, oh my gosh. yeah, I saw that story today. Yes. Novak Djokovic knew fully well. He's changed the story now. He said he had COVID, so he was given permission to. This is rubbish. He knew what the rules of the country in Australia were. You can't come in unless you've been vaccinated. That is a national mandate in Australia. He's not vaccinated. He's not vaccinated, you're, you're ta- and you expect to get in to bend the rules because you happen to be the best tennis player in the world? And oh, nobody is bigger than the game nor the rules themselves. Ask uh, Mr. Rose that. <laughs> Ask some of the other individuals who've tried to defy uh, altogether authority. No. Mm-hmm. If the man says you've got to do something, you do what the man tells you to do. Period, exclamation point. Guy's an idiot. If you go back a little bit to Antonio Brown, he he's delusional because I read an article today. He made the rounds and all the podcasts yesterday. And 
one of the things he said where the Jets fans were screaming A.B. in support of him as he was leaving the field. And, and that's why he was doing the dances. And that's why he was doing the jumping jacks and throwing his clothes into the stands. Uh, there is an interesting sidebar. I have a little, like, kind of thought to this, too, because of Bruce Arians doesn't have a terrific history of his dealing with players. And there was what Antonio Brown claims happened on the sideline because Mm -hmm. he said he couldn't go. Mm -hmm. And that's what he told the coach. And they just, and, and Bruce Arians said, get the out of here. Right. I could actually see that happening. Now that doesn't, that doesn't dictate that shouldn't say that it's okay for him to do what he did because, you know, he's a head case. But Joe, the fact is that that was not his first story. That was his second story. Yeah. Yeah. His first story was, they're not putting me in because they're denying me my chance to get $333,000 in bonus money. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You had, it, if they were, wanted to go in to play, what the hell do you think they're doing? They're putting you in. Do it. You're going for a bonus. Oh, I'm injured. I can't go in. That's rubbish. Balderdash. I got a couple of nominees for you, and they both fall under COVID on this. One is Kyrie Irving. Ugh. In the NBA, who refuses to get vaccinated, and therefore, because of the mandate within the city limits of New York City, he cannot play for the Brooklyn Nets when they play their home games. The same thing as Djokovic yeah. on a yeah. basketball. He run. cannot play their home game. He can play their road games, but he can't play their home games. This is a guy that believes the earth is flat, if that gives you an indication of. <laughs> they need to do a TV or. movie about this guy and call it Guys, I'll Be There for You 50% of the Time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also going into that category was Kirk Cousins because they had a shot at mm-hmm. making the playoffs and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just not going to get vaccinated. So, therefore, <laughs> when the team needs me, I won't be there. I won't be there. You know, that's what all of athletics is about. And, you know, all the guys in the Nets, I read there were comments, and they're all saying the right things at this point. But, it, you know, when they win easy on the road and then they go home and they get beat easy because one guy's not there. And I'm sure there's a lot of grumblings in that Vikings locker room over <laughs> Kirk Cousins not being there, too. And he's not going to be warmly welcomed wherever he goes after this season. So those are a couple of my nominees. What, John, do you have anybody to throw in the ring here for this one? Uh, I'm going to throw in one that's not one of the major sports. I've got to put Jake Paul on that list. I mean, <laughs> this guy, Ned and I have talked about, you know, he, he trains with B.J. Flores, which I have a ton of respect for B.J. I know him. He's a fantastic boxer, great boxing mind. What he's doing in the attempt to become a YouTuber gone boxer is ludicrous. The Everybody talks about these knockouts, like with Tyron Woodley a few weeks ago. Guys, Tyron Woodley looked like he couldn't even do a 40-yard dash and make it to the end. I mean, these are guys that are way past their prime, out of shape. Granted, yeah, he's knocking them out, but this is going to end badly for him. He is going to end up in a wheelchair when he finally decides to fight someone of the ilk of Dante Wilder, Tyson Fury, someone like that. And John is 100% correct. These are nobodies who he is fighting. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not individuals who even know the skills of boxing. Right. And BJ has, I think, placed the rudimentary levels of boxing with, with Paul. But in terms of his being an up-and-coming star, no. He is light years <laughs> away from that. Look, look at the records of the guys we have here in town coming up. Holmes and Mercer, who are here tonight. My God, their, their uh, experience in boxing goes back decades before they really got to the high level of professional boxing that they, mm-hmm. they've achieved. 
Ray Mercer was the 1988 Olympic heavyweight champion, knocked out all his opponents. And yet, uh, could he achieve stardom? He was a WBO heavyweight champion for a while, but it, it takes so much to know this. The Paul thing is ridiculous. It's a, no. it's an internet sensation. Well, you could throw Conor McGregor in those uh, oh, in those my. discussions too, as a yeah. guy that that probably needs to work a little bit on uh, improving himself. Let's go to a, <laughs> let's go to a serious netty here, though, and, and we're right at the end of the NFL season, and I think there's a bunch of guys. Uh, you know, kind of bunched up together at the top of who's going to be your your MVP for the NFL this season, Ned. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron Rodgers seems to be the consensus pick for it. I would I would uh, throw Mahomes in there. He hasn't had quite the great season that the others have had, but the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, and he's one of the reasons why. I would I would. In my opinion, I would give a nod to Patrick Mahomes. It's not going to be who it is. It'll be Aaron Rodgers, but. I love the way Mahomes plays. He's a very heady individual. He has a lot of a cunning about him, and mm-hmm. I think he's a very smart guy. What do you think, John? I'm going to go with my dark horse candidate here. I don't expect him to win, but Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the Colts, is having a supreme year, and he had a not-too-shabby one over 1,000 yards last year. He's having Derrick Henry-like production and honestly, he has carried the Colts to this playoff spot that they have the opportunity to maybe get in. I'm going to go with who you just mentioned, Derrick Henry, because he's the fifth leading rusher, I think, in the NFL I, right ridiculous. now. And he's not, I don't know how many games he hasn't played. <laughs> this will be seven. Fifth leading rusher, and he hasn't played seven games. And you can see that Tennessee hasn't played as well without him. So mm-hmm. to me, that's the most valuable player right there. When we come back, we'll give you our picks for today's game and Snud Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. About five minutes away from the start of the pregame show, right here on 104.7 The K with Mitch Holtis, Art Haynes, Dan Israel. I forgot to ask you guys, when you're traveling to Houston to watch the Rockets play, are you going to purchase one of their hot dogs that includes bacon, mac and cheese, and cereal? What is the cereal? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first question. <laughs> The answer that is, is no. That, that is the best answer <laughs> that I've heard in a long time. I'll tell you a story about a really great answer I heard the other day, too, on, to a question. About that one? Well, no. Different thing completely, okay. but not for on-air sort of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's do our picks for today's <laughs> game. What do you think, Ned? What do you think we're going to see in this game? Same formula, excuse me, that we've just seen the Chiefs all season long. They'll go out and slap the Denver Broncos up the side of the head a couple times, get a get a lead on them, preferably a three-touchdown lead this time, mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe get up 21 nothing, and then go ahead and win the game, I'll say, 34-10. to 10. 34 Some, to Yeah, 10. I think they dominate this game completely. What do you think, John? I've had a hard time picking this one, but in my mind, I think they're going to take the gas off a little earlier than expected. So I'm picking this one at 24-7. Fruit Loops would be the answer to the question. 
No, I don't want oh. to hear the comment. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a picture of it right there, and let me tell you, I'm not no, a little queasy I looking at it right now. I cardiac health, no. Yeah, well, I haven't done very well <laughs> at picking games lately. I had a good start to the season, but as it's progressed, I've, I've gone back to my norm, my norm of, of poorly picking football games. <laughs> So uh, I, you know, like if you want a winner in a fantasy football league, put me in because I'll, <laughs> I, I will finish last. I'm horrible at this stuff. So, uh, twenty four ten. I think it, I think it will mm-hmm. be a fairly low. Ex- what's do you know the over under in the game today? No, I do not. Well, Points spread, I do. It's it's the Chiefs by ten and a half, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen it over and under. Yeah, it would help if we all came prepared, but we didn't. So <laughs> I just I you know I think it'll be a fairly low scoring game because I don't think that the Broncos will do much offensively, and I don't think the Chiefs will have to do much offensively. I agree with John that we'll see Chad Henney probably in the second half. I think we're going to see a lot of Derek Gore. Which does not bother me because I think he's a he's a terrific running back. I think he's got a big future. Uh, I want them really to keep Darren Williams healthy. I really want to see them keep Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and all that offensive line as healthy as they possibly can. And as far as injuries go, the Chiefs look pretty good going into the game today. I mean, obviously they lost Lucas Niang last week. He is out for the season, mm-hmm. um, but. He was replacing last week uh, Orlando Brown Jr., who is back in the lineup. And I don't think they really have anybody out on the on the COVID list. Edward Solaire is, uh, of course, he is out because yes. of shoulder problem. Yeah. And he could play. It's just they don't want to uh, compromise him at all for the playoffs, which is perfectly understandable. No, their COVID situation, Kelsey and all those guys, they are back. One Do throw out one congratulations. Let's hear it for the Missouri Valley Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the ninth championship now for North Dakota State University. They just blasted Montana State 38-10, to 10, and they are really, really good program. And thankfully, Bobby Petrino and the Bears don't have to play them next year. They're not on the schedule. Thank you. But as you pointed out when you sat down here, that's a team that Missouri State had in their crosshairs, yep. and they had them beat. And had them beat and had let them it beat. get away. And they, had a, they let them get away. So that tells you how close the Bears are right oh, there. I think they're Absolutely. right there. I think they're yeah. right there, and I think you'll see that next year with a very good football team. The schedule works very much in their favor. They open up on the road at Central Arkansas, which is a, a good opening around opponent. Their first home game, and it's there's a debate as to when it's going to be played. I can't talk a little bit about that, but they, it's Tennessee Martin. That oh, is okay. be pretty exciting. Yeah. It will be. Well, get set for Chiefs action. It's coming your way this afternoon right here on 104.7 The Cave. 325 kickoff. The pregame show starts in less than a minute. Art Haynes, Dan Israel, March, Mitch Holtis, thanks to Josh Roberts for not being here, John Oliver for being here, <laughs> Ned Reynolds for sitting in, Nick Fury's coming in next, thanks to Mike the intern, Corbin Campbell, Brian Tyndall, and everybody else in Midwest Family Land. We'll see you soon.